Exploring Chiropractic, Episode 38, Careers in Chiropractic with Dr. Cheryl Hawk. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks. Audible is a library of hundreds of thousands of best-selling audiobooks that you can download to listen on the go. I've listened to hundreds of audiobooks over the years. Some of my favorite include SEAL Team 6, Memoirs of an Elite Navy SEAL Sniper by Howard Wasden, who became a chiropractor after leaving the service. You can get two free audiobooks of your choice by joining a 30-day free trial of audible.com. For your two free books, head over to exploringchiropractic.com slash audible. Welcome back to Exploring Chiropractic, the only student chiropractic podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Cashin. In this episode, I have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Cheryl Hawk. She is the author of two new books published by Prager, The Handbook of Chiropractic Healthcare and Careers in Chiropractic Healthcare, Exploring a Growing Field. She and I discuss the second book, which is directed towards chiropractic students and prospective students. Dr. Hawk is a member and former co-chair of the Research Working Group of the Academic Collaborative for Integrative Health. Her published work includes more than 100 publications in peer-reviewed scientific journals. She received her Doctor of Chiropractic degree from the National University of Health Sciences and practiced full-time for 12 years. She then earned a doctorate in preventive medicine from the University of Iowa and became a certified health education specialist. She has worked at at least seven of the chiropractic colleges in the United States, and this book contains a wealth of information for anyone considering a career in chiropractic. What drew you to chiropractic? Oh, me to chiropractic? Um... Well, you know, I got out of college as an English major, and uh, that qualified me to clean houses. <laughs> that, was about, that was about all I could do, and I was just thinking what I wanted to do, and I, I got interested in acupuncture and, you know, energy fields and things like that, and my cousin happened to work for a chiropractor. She said, well, that sounds like chiropractic. So I just immediately, I had never known anything about it, but I went to her chiropractor, who happened to be on the board of trustees of National College, because I I lived in Illinois at the time, in Chicago. And he, you know, of course, encouraged me to go to National, and it was within driving distance. So I just, well, what I had done first, though, I had thought I wanted to go to medical school. That's what I had been planning, you know, taking courses for that. And then I worked in a nursing home, a long-term, huge long-term care facility, the largest one in the world at the time. And I just saw that, you know, what the medical doctors did was not what I wanted to do at all. And that's when my cousins kind of said that what what I was interested in sounded much more, you know, the self-healing power of the body. That sounded like chiropractic. So I went to National. It was the only one I'd heard of, and, you know, I lucked out. It was such good school. And that seems to be a common trend in a lot of students is uh, they they happen upon chiropractic almost as if by accident, and then they find out there's a school near them, and so they go um, without yes. really then that's, mm-hmm. yeah, without really giving a, a whole lot of thought, um, which, funnily enough, as I've interviewed more doctors who have a similar story, they're the ones that seem to be the most involved in the profession, uh, the most published, 
and uh, and have you know even some research out. So, did you go into research uh, after chiropractic school? Uh, yes, I went into private practice for oh, it was about twelve years, and then just I started when my daughter was a baby, and I I didn't want to be working full time. Uh, I took a job at a community college teaching nutrition. And I, because I'd always, my practice was very much wellness and nutrition oriented. And I just got interested in nutrition and I thought, well, I'd like to kind of protect my position here by having an actual master's degree. And University of Iowa, which I lived in Iowa at the time, again, it was close by, they had a, a Department of Preventive Medicine and Epidemiology, which of course, most of what we know about nutrition in humans is really epidemiological research, mm-hmm. you know, aside from the biochemistry. So I was, I just started taking courses there, and I just got interested in research and, and continued on with a, to get a Ph.D. in preventive medicine and became a research scientist there at, in, the, in the Department of Preventive Medicine. But then a job came up at Palmer, and in their research department. And so that's when I went into chiropractic research because I'd been pretty much involved. I was in the, uh, it was like injury epidemiology and I uh, had a certified uh, health education specialist certificate. So I was involved in like community planning for health education projects and that type of thing. So very much different, but it really fit well with research. And of course, with research administration, where you're, you know, where I've been a uh, research administrator for years also, where you can plan an entire program. So that worked well, but that's what in 1993, I went to Palmer and began chiropractic research. And now I'm at now at the seventh chiropractic college I've worked at. So, so you've been to a lot of the different campuses and experienced the, yes. the wide range. Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, because Palmer and then Parker, then uh, Southern California, Cleveland, Logan, and now TCC. Great. And I'm very excited. You've got two new books out, uh, The Prager Handbook of Chiropractic Healthcare, which is, as I understand, more geared towards um, to professionals, whether chiropractors, but also to medical professionals to understand what chiropractic is about. Well, and even more uh, toward informed lay people okay. who might want to go to a chiropractor. In fact, that was probably more... Uh, see, Prager does these series of books on different professions, and they'll have you know, the education, the career in the profession, and then, you know, what it's like to be doing that profession. So they asked me to do these for chiropractic. And since we didn't have anything like that, and it was really good to be with a big mainstream publisher, and their target audience is usually college students, but also patients or potential patients when it's a health profession. So... I figured for the evidence-based practices, it would be informed lay people who might want to go to a chiropractor or other health professionals who might want to consider referring patients or, you know, working with chiropractors. And I'll direct my listeners to you an interview you did with Dean Smith on the Chiropractic Science Podcast, which was really great. Uh, and you went pretty into depth about this textbook. I'd like to focus more on the book, 
that I think uh, my listeners will really be interested, which is careers in chiropractic healthcare, exploring a mm-hmm. growing field. What inspired you to write or to put together this book? Well, it was that Prager asked me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the publisher asked me to do it because I had another book, and I guess they didn't know any other chiropractors that had a book, so they just contacted me because I had a lot of writing experience, and I thought about it a lot, and I got excited about the idea because there wasn't anything like it. I mean, one book had been published, which uh, actually Luce Portelli, Claire Johnson, and Bart Green put it out. It was a soft cover book, oh, at least 10 years ago. Uh, so a little book about careers in chiropractic. It was a really good book, but there's nothing since then. There's nothing. And I was, you know, in chiropractic, we're always writing for each other. All of our textbooks are for chiropractors. And we don't have that many books that are for anybody else. Right. There's not a lot so. of information. and I've, I first got interested in chiropractic. It's been... 20 years now where I, when I first started to consider it as a profession for myself. And uh, yeah, there, there's just very sparse information as I would look around trying to get uh, good information about what is the profession actually like? What does it take to go to school? Um, what major should you do an undergraduate? All of those types of things. Uh, it was mm-hmm. very difficult to compile uh, any information that would help you you know, apply to all the the variety of schools. Well, well, that's and that's yeah, that's what I found out because then when the publisher invites you to write a book, then that you still have to develop a proposal because then you know if they don't like your proposal, they they won't do it. <laughs> but so when I was putting the proposal together, and you know, you do the market research, and there was nothing. You know, there was no competitors for this book whatsoever. So I thought this is a real need. That we have, yeah, and I'm I'm very glad that you put it together. So let's just take a, a broad perspective, really quick, and I'd like to get your ideas of what is the current state of the profession. Okay, well, I think you know I was just talking to someone else about this. For a while, it was you know it was not looking so good for chiropractors because. You know, our enrollment in the chiropractic colleges is pretty flat. It's been that way for some time where there's about 10,000 chiropractic students, I believe it is, something like that, in the U.S. And it doesn't go up or down, so all the colleges are competing, which actually might be a good thing because they're, you know, they're having to give the students a good deal. But that was not looking so good. But just recent developments we've had, like the whole VA thing where Mm -hmm. the military and the VA, now chiropractors are working in the VA and it's a great job and everyone's seeing how well they're doing there and I think that's going to spread. So interdisciplinary practice is really going to spread. And then this recent, the systematic review uh, and the guideline that came out from the American College of Physicians, listing spinal manipulation as a first line to take for back pain, which they never really got around to doing it, but our whole opiate epidemic has turned things around so much that now we're seeing, you know, chiropractic is really has a chance to move into the mainstream with this whole opiate epidemic we have. You know, we've got a non-drug alternative that helps people not only with pain, but with their quality of life and 
you know, I think that's going to do us so much good with the entire healthcare community recognizing spinal manipulation as a first line approach. So I think right there we have that's opened up. I don't think because that just came out very recently. I don't think we've even realized how much that's going to open things up. Yeah, there's been a number of articles that have come from, um, I believe it's two of the American organizations. So you've, the in JAMA as well as the American College of Physicians. There was one recently from mm-hmm. the, chiropr- the Canadian yeah. guidelines, uh, which yeah. all recommend spinal manipulation as a first line. Yeah, technique. well, now, that's right. That yeah, I was just speaking in the U.S. and then in other countries. You know, it, what I was going to say, first, the U.S., is things are really looking up very recently. I mean, I think that they're going to be better than ever for the profession, for our credibility, you know, for people realizing that they can go to a chiropractor for other health professionals, referring for us having positions in multidisciplinary settings, all of that. But in the rest of the world, chiropractic has been advancing much faster than in the U.S. You know, it's spreading like wildfire through the rest of the world. And do you think that may have to do with the history of chiropractic of being a uh, an alternative uh, medicine, yes. but then they term it a complementary and now integrative is the preferred term. Uh, but it really originated from, uh, you know, D.D. Palmer and his followers or students who were very much against medicine. Right. And I think if you look at the history, because I happen to be now having to, uh, I'm going to be teaching a course that's like fundamentals of chiropractic principles and talking about the history. And, you know, really, in some ways, they were against medicine, but also they were just trying to protect their turf and not be accused of practicing medicine without a license, you know, so... Uh, but but we do have that historical bias, you know, in the long term, you know, there's just a lot of history that we've got in the U.S. But even so, I think we've overcome it, and I think we've overcome it through research. And then the rest of the world, it's it's different. You know, the attitudes towards chiropractic are quite different, you know, because it arose in a much different way. So just, you know, for this book, uh, you know, looking at other colleges in other countries, you can just see that, you know, chiropractic, is, it has its own flavor sort of in all the other countries, and they don't have the history to combat like we did in the U.S. Well, let's talk about the chiropractic education. What does it take to get into chiropractic school? Well, and, you know, that's that's one thing I wanted to make sure, and I have to say I had experts write this, you know, how, how to even apply to a chiropractic college. Uh, Stacy Till and, and Dave Anderson wrote that chapter because Stacy Till works in that department at Logan. And it, it does vary by colleges, but, you know, they have certain standards and, you know, the number of hours, I'm not going to go into the details, that, that's in the book. And it does vary from college to college. So, you know, I think anyone who's interested should read that and then they should contact a specific college they're interested in to see if there are, you know, additional requirements because it does vary quite a bit. So while there is the Council on Chiropractic Education, which which sets kind of the minimum standards, it's, each school has yeah. their own way of meeting those standards. Yes, they do. And they have, and there's also a lot of, you know, sometimes maybe if you don't meet 
the standards, maybe they've got some remediation, like maybe they have some some pre-chiropractic courses you could take. A lot of the colleges have that because most of them have a BS program associated, and you might be able to take the pre-chiropractic, you know, the prerequisites that you need. You could take them through the college and sometimes online, you know, so there's a lot of options. So I don't think it should stop anyone and that's why I think they should look and see what's required, but then the specific college that they'd like to go to, they'll often work with a student so that they can find the best way to make up what they don't have. And a lot has been said about the chiropractic education uh, from those outside of it, um, suggesting that it's perhaps not enough, that there's that those minimum standards probably are not high enough. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Are are the admission standards too low for a health profession? Well, and that is, you know, that's something having been at so many colleges, it's pretty pretty much of a, a contentious area in every college because they're they're tuition driven and they need to get students in. But then if you take students that aren't really well prepared or they're not that academically oriented, they may not do well. So it's a constant battle of finding out how how you can decide who to take in and then how you can help them become a well-qualified doctor of chiropractic, you know, or if they just aren't cut out for it. Mm. So it's, you know, I what I think is a good option, which more and more colleges are doing, is they have and I think this is the wave of the future, is the chiropractic colleges are all becoming universities, and they have other programs. For example, you know, maybe somebody really isn't academically oriented enough to be a doctor of chiropractic, but maybe they'd be a fantastic massage therapist. And you see what I mean? Is there's a lot of, or like a, you know, a certified health education specialist. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of the schools are offering master's degrees, and uh, I guess cynically I had assumed that that was just another way to get more tuition, but I hadn't thought of it as an opportunity for those who perhaps aren't finding themselves passionate about the chiropractic program, that that offers another route for them to go, to still be involved in healthcare in some way, but but not go down the doctor of chiropractic path. Well, and another aspect of you may be extremely good at the academics, but maybe you're not an entrepreneur. And, you know, as long as we have chiropractic practices, basically you've got to go out there and build a practice. Some people who would be really good, aren't they're not good at the business part. So, you know, making it possible for them to get a master's degree or then maybe go on to a Ph.D. and they could go into research or academia. You know, we, we have to open other career pathways, and that's why we put a lot of emphasis on that in the book, is that, number one, to be a, a chiropractor, you might want, and I think it's becoming increasingly necessary, that you do get additional training. You know, maybe it's a... a diplomate, you know, which is really not recognized outside the profession, but a master's degree, uh, you know, in some area where you can demonstrate you've got additional training, I think it opens up a lot more doors for you when you go in practice where you might be able to be in a multidisciplinary setting if they know that you have additional qualifications. Yeah, and this brings up the the question of doing residencies, and I, I want to get to that in a bit, but first I want to talk about all of the different schools, because there are now 17 schools in 
the United States, 17 locations, I should say. Some of them are branches of the same school. Uh, mm-hmm. The most right. recent one being Kaiser University opening up a program in Florida. How does a student yes. go about selecting a school? Well, and that's, again, that's why we have an entire chapter on that. And uh, actually, that's one that I, I participated in writing a couple of chapters, and that was one I was especially interested in, was selecting a chiropractic college. So Brad Huff, who's, uh, who's an IT person at Logan, he and I wrote that chapter because you know, we went through all the things that a student has to consider because there's so many different things to consider as as a person, there's not a one size fits all, you know. So you want to, and we have a quite an involved list of things to think about. You know, you want might want to look at the scope of the college. You know, that they tend to be more broad scope, more narrow scope. Uh, you and know, I love that you have a, a, a table or a diagram that that uh, kind of organizes the schools in that broad versus medium versus narrow scope. Um, that's something. That's, yes, and that was from that was from McDonald's uh, survey some years ago, where they surveyed the profession and they came up with that designation. I thought that was helpful. It you is know, very so helpful. You can still, yeah, because there's not one right way to do it, but you want to be at the place that fits your view of healthcare and how you want to practice. And I always share the story of this is one thing that encouraged me to start the podcast is when I started school at Western States, which is listed under the broad scope, um, mm-hmm. there were many, many classmates who seemed surprised that they were learning uh, how to take vitals or they were learning a lot of science early on in the program. And they seemed <laughs> a, a bit oblivious or just unaware of this scope of this difference between the schools. And a few of them transferred down to life West, which is on that very opposite end of that spectrum. So I think that's very important to be aware of those things before you choose a school. And it is because they're all accredited. The thing is you're going to get the basics, you know, you're going to have to have the basic sciences and the basic diagnostic, uh, you know, just, really basic, but there's going to be more of an emphasis on one way or the other at the different colleges. For example, way back when I went to chiropractic college, when there weren't that many of them and they weren't all as, you know, there there wasn't accreditation. I mean, it was just when I was in school that accreditation first started to happen and National was the first one that got accredited. But at that time, I would go to seminars at Palmer because they had so many techniques that you could take. You know, so I think that's another thing. Like, if you want to learn a lot of techniques, you want to find out if the school, if they tend to focus only on a certain few techniques. Back in those days, national only taught national technique. You couldn't take, which was diversified. So you couldn't learn anything else. Of course, that's changed. That was 40 years ago. But that's... Sorry, is there any organization that that does a type of ranking of the schools so that students can perhaps see a list of what techniques are offered, whether it's in the curriculum or in extracurricular activities, or even oh, ranking know, I, them by quality? No, I don't know if there if there is or not because. And, and just since I've worked at so many different ones, you can just see that it's not only the techniques offered, although because most of them are realizing that, you know, if you look at the surveys of chiropractic 
practice, which some of which I've done, uh, I think the average chiropractor uses more than one technique, probably more like about six different ones, and they almost all will uh, learn at least one or two, like a low force and a higher force uh, manipulation technique and one or two soft tissue you know, so they, they almost all are going to teach you some of that now because they realize that that's what you need. You, you need kind of a toolbox with uh, several different techniques, but there's still a lot of variation on where you can learn, you know, some of the less common techniques. There was one uh, sentence that I had to underline that I was very interested to read in, a, in this chapter that we're discussing, in which you or, or the authors say that it's unwise to select the college based on proximity to where you intend to practice. Yes, and you know why that is? Is if, if you there there has been a lot of discussion. The the density of chiropractors around any chiropractic college is extremely high. So there's just because students tend to, you know, they've been there for three or four years, and they tend to just settle down very close by. And so that's one of the reasons that it's suggested, you know, if you're going to start your own practice, it's the, the common wisdom is you want to find a place where there aren't a lot of chiropractors because you're going to automatically have an easier time getting patients. Well, so we've, dis- we've discussed the idea of residencies. So once students have gone through school, uh, the one main difference between chiropractic and medical school is there there are no residency programs. So you mentioned the diplomats, there's certifications, there are master programs, but those all come in addition to chiropractic education with additional costs. Where do you see the future of chiropractic education going? And are residencies well, going to become more of the norm? Well, and they already, there are, are already more residencies, and that's one thing. We do have uh, opportunities for additional training and experience, and that's a, that's a really useful chapter there about the training and experience. And also, uh, and then chiropractic specialization, career paths. But residency, there's, there's getting to be more, like the most recent one, maybe the most recent one, there may be even more, but... Uh, there's a residency for VA. The VA actually has a residency program now. I was at Logan when that was getting developed. And, oh, you know, so it was so competitive. You know, there were so many people that were competing for the few spots they had in that residency. Because I believe it was funded. I think it was, I'm not sure it was funded by the colleges or by the VA. But, you know, they got a stipend. You know, they weren't extremely well paid, but they were, you know, got payment and they got to work in the VA. And I think every single one of them then went on to get a regular full time job at the VA, which is an extremely well, well paid, good benefits, multidisciplinary, complex cases. I mean, the patients have months of waiting to get in to see the chiropractor at the VA. So they, you know, you've got, you don't have to run the office or anything. So that VA residency, I think we're hoping is going to pave the way for more residencies. Yeah, I did my <clears throat> sorry, I did my internship, which is just a three month or a clerkship, as they term it, uh, a mm-hmm. three month stint. But the residencies were in a a pilot program for a few years, and now they've renewed as an official residency. And there's five locations 
Um, but as you mentioned, those residents go on to get full-time jobs in the VA, beating out chiropractors with five or 10 years experience. So it's a wonderful funnel for them, a great preparation for them to get into it, the VA full-time. It is, full-time. and it's, yes, and it's the best, you know, because it really, it's so competitive. That's one thing that it is generally going to help us improve the overall quality of our practitioners is more of these residencies where they get additional training and then they're highly competitive. And so you get the cream of the crop that are in the VA. I mean, all I know a number of the doctors who work, work in the VA and they're among the best chiropractors you will find and the ones who work in the military as well. And one so of them helped to write one of them helped write the chapter on opportunities for additional yes. training that's Clint Daniels who is in the uh, um yes. one of the and, Washington and then, VAs. Right, and Jordan Gleet, who he and I uh, co wrote the opportunities for multidisciplinary practice, he's also in a VA. I don't think he had I don't think he had the VA residency though. But he did he does have a job in a VA now. So he talked about his experience there some. What about opportunities internationally for students? Well, and that was another thing we wanted to cover, and I, I would it would be nice if we could have done more international stuff in this book, but I did try to bring in examples of practicing in other countries, and we do have a global perspective on chiropractic by Philip Ebrall. Which I found in very Australia. interesting. Yeah, he's he's really uh, he's he's a great idea person and and just thinks in these huge global terms and he wor- he's worked with the Japanese college quite a bit. So he's got a lot of experience on the other side of the world, which I think was very helpful, but I wanted to at least I listed all in chapter 2. We we list all the chiropractic colleges that are listed on the World Federation for Chiropractic website. Those are all the ones we knew of, although even while I was writing the book, I think the one in Turkey just got accredited, so it just got up and going. Yeah, I hadn't known about that. popping up. Yeah, as I was reading about it, I saw there was a new one in Turkey, which was fascinating, and I know that Life is trying to start one in Scotland. I don't know what the status of that, as well as in Italy, I believe. Yeah, so they're, I mean, starting all the time. South America, there's a at least a couple. I, I've lost track of how many there are, but you know, there's more all the time. And then, uh, you know, so if you like to travel, there's a lot of opportunities working in other countries. But as of yet, there is no global organization that uh, that will help accredit, or I should say, that will help license globally. So each country is on their own. Yes, uh, the accreditation, I, I mean, the you know, the Council on Chiropractic Education does have an international accrediting as well. But as far as licensure, that's a whole different thing. You know, and that varies. Like some countries, it's not even legal. So basically, you can kind of do anything you want, but you better watch out because they could deport you. <laughs> you know, so, you know, there's a, and then there's other places, you know, so there's some countries where it's, it's not legal, but they kind of don't care. Uh, you have to, that's the other thing. You have to look into the local laws a lot. So we don't, we don't have anything international. It's, it really varies a lot, but generally speaking, it's going to be treating musculoskeletal symptoms. So again, it, that, know, that's pretty much the norm. 
that comes back to the trend in chiropractic, which there are, are a lot of opportunities, but also um, so much variation that it's difficult to to be aware of everything that's out there. It is, and that's why you kind of have to narrow it down with your own individual. And where do you, uh, you know, where do you want to spend the next three or four years? That's one thing. I mean, locality because people with families. Uh, especially you want to see if you want to live where that school is, but that also you want to think that you probably don't want to keep living there after you graduate either, because it's probably not wise to just try to settle down in the same area where there's a million chiropractors. So it's, you know, it's it's such an individual decision, but I think in general, the more additional training you can get, the the more, uh, the more prospects you're going to have for, jobs when you get out. Well, for those students interested in seeing the international perspective, you can go to the WFC website, but I've taken that list. Yes. And on my website on exploringchiropractic.com slash schools, I've created a map where it has a pin for every international chiropractic school. Uh, and I believe oh. they're around uh, 43 worldwide now, including the North American Yeah, I, I know it's 40 something because I, I kept counting them and then it would be like you know, they kept getting added. There may be some we missed. And I'm sure there's some I've missed. I've been, I've received messages from listeners saying, hey, didn't you know there's one here? And I thought, no, I had no idea. Just like the Turkey School, I had no idea there was one in Turkey. Well, and that's why, well, and I think, you know, because I went by the WFC list originally, and then Phyllis Ebrill told me, hey, you better add Turkey, (laughs) because, you know, I hadn't known so there, you know, it's changing very rapidly, and that's where you can see how it's growing so much worldwide. They're just getting to be more chiropractic schools all the time. Well, I'd like to get your um, your thoughts on if looking ten, maybe twenty years into the future, where do you see chiropractic education? Well, I think what. What looks like the trend, you know, we definitely are going toward the primary care spine doctor. You know, that's WFC established that definition some years ago, and I think that's where we're going. You know, we are good at primary care. We're not like tertiary care. We're not a spine surgeon, but we can take care of spinal and musculoskeletal related problems because I don't think we want to forget about extremities either because chiropractors do treat a lot of that. But it's spine and musculoskeletal conditions. And I think now we're going to be seen as more mainstream than than we've ever been. So I think that'll lead the way to even more insurance coverage. And so that may... uh, lead us to getting a bigger enrollment in the chiropractic colleges and worldwide we're already you know the chiropractors are are growing exponentially in other countries but I I think another trend I would just want to add that I think residencies are going to become increasingly important and specialization like you know research I think we don't even if we don't acknowledge that research is basically the reason we are where we are now, then, uh, you know, we're, we're not noticing an obvious truth, is that we wouldn't have gotten 
to the degree of credibility that we have without research. And research in chiropractic only started in 1975. I was in school. There was no research at that time. So we've come a tremendous way. And so we have to put more uh, emphasis on evidence-based practice, which all the schools have embraced that as part of their mission. So we have to, uh, you know, chiropractic education has to really get much more on the evidence-based practice bandwagon than it is already. Uh, you know, we, we say that we have it. We have to really focus on making sure that students can use the evidence in a way to help their patients. That's, I'm teaching an evidence-based practice course, and I'm really emphasizing that, that it helps you be a better doctor. And I think we have to, that's one big trend, and I think more residencies and then more, uh, you know, as the chiropractic colleges all become universities in the U.S., and they, in other countries, many of them are already, there are other career paths that you could take so that our the people that go into chiropractic really want to go into chiropractic, and we take the cream of the crop for that. It's like in, in Switzerland. I have real small description of Switzerland, which is a really interesting model in that uh, to go to the chiropractic college, you have to basically enter just like the medical students do. And then you can choose medicine or you can choose chiropractic, but you have to be accepted in the program first. So there's no stigma of chiropractic being less rigorous than medicine because it's not. It's just a different way to go. And I think that's an interesting model where, uh, you know, we're not being looked at as being second class in terms of qualifications. Yeah, I believe Denmark has a very similar model. And I think that's a really mm-hmm. interesting yeah. and compelling way to uh, to build the program. Well, my my podcast is geared towards prospective students as well as those currently in school. What do you wish every prospective student knew before starting chiropractic school? Well, I think here's the thing. What I've noticed is some students come to chiropractic school and they've never been to a chiropractor. And I <laughs> that, think that, that surprises me. I've seen that happen. They've never been adjusted. It happens more often than you would think. And I, I think that what they should do, and as, as you were saying, like some of the people that come into chiropractic kind of like I did, I didn't know anything about it, but when I found out about it, then I wanted to find out more, is you should find out enough about it where you, where you feel excited about it. You know, I, I would hate to see, and I do see any new students that I'm seeing, they're pretty excited about it, but sometimes they don't really know what they're getting into. And it's a tough program. We may say it's maybe not it's not as rigorous as medicine, but it's rigorous. And I think you really should explore it a little bit. You know, go to go to a local chiropractor and talk to them about their experience. I think you you want to find out what it's actually like. You know, before you undertake it, and I think that would prevent some students from entering it who just can't cut it, they don't like it, they don't do well, because they didn't really explore it enough. So I think the best thing would be to go to, uh, you know, well, optimally go to several chiropractors, because they all will be happy to talk to you. And, and just maybe shadow them for a day or, you know, just find out what a chiropractor actually does. And if you feel excited by that, then you can 
put up with all the rigorous. It's a very rigorous program. It's a you know a long time. It's a lot of work. Uh, but if you if you have that vision of of a practice that you would be excited about having, I think that's what you really need. And I think your book is going to do a lot for prospective students to help them gain a broad understanding of the profession, uh, as well as a great introduction to the numerous schools that are out there. So I highly recommend it to anyone interested in chiropractic school. As I've read through it, I've found things, um, especially in the section, the chapter comparing the curriculum, you know, I found things that I realized my school perhaps was a little weak on or that I don't feel that I studied strongly enough. And so it's a good reminder for me of things that I need to go back and review and perhaps take some continuing ed. Um, so I, I'm really grateful that you've written this book and compiled it as the editor with uh, the many other authors from the different chiropractic colleges around the world. And the last question I like to ask those who have who are chiropractors who have gone through the program, they're, they're now as we said, 40-plus schools around the world. If you were to go back in time, and if you were to do it all over again, which school would you choose? Well, you know, I think uh, I would probably go ahead and go back to the one I went to. I mean, there was really no reason not to go to national. It, it It's always been, you know, a very broad sort of spectrum, and you know, I, I think it, it was good academically. So, but actually, it would be tough. You know, they're so they all meet the accreditation standards, and there's something, uh, you know, there's something that's uh, especially good about each one of them. But for me, because I'm interested in research, and National has always been so interested, it was basically the place where chiropractic research got started. So just for that my own personal reasons I would probably choose it again but that is not to say anything negative about any of the other ones well Dr. Hawk thank you for the book and thank you for joining me on Exploring Chiropractic well thank you for having me thanks again for listening to Exploring Chiropractic please head over to iTunes to leave us a five star review and grab your two free audiobooks by going to exploringchiropractic.com forward slash audible.